0: Hey! Hi! (laughs) Sorry for the delay. I got caught up in what I was doing. It's the Soybean Pest Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Matt. It is November 10th, 2018. This is Season 8, Episode 15.
1: (laughs) Sorry, that's my mistake. It's it's still only
0: 2017. Oh! Yeah. We didn't time travel. Although it it feels like like I was traveling.
1: Seems like we've been away a whole year.
0: Yeah. We were only away for a little bit. Part of that was to the National Entomological Society of America meeting in Denver.
1: Cool location, cool venue.
0: Yeah, literally cool. It was cooler there than it was here. Yeah,
1: a few flakes even.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was driving out. there was On the, the last day that I was there, there was snow on the rooftops. Weirdest thing. Hmm. Didn't expect to see that, hmm. given it had been pretty warm here in Iowa. Anyway, we're back. After spending, I spent about 48 hours uh, with 3,000 entomologists. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think it was record-breaking attendance for ESA national meeting. Um, I think they said over 3,500 wow. registrations coming in. So it was a real big aggregation of entomologists.
0: Yeah, and just non-stop presentations. <laughs> just kept going and going. Four of hours a day. Yeah, and for those of you who weren't there or aren't familiar with the meeting, um, the presentation time traditionally had been... Ten minutes, two minutes for questions. This year it was eight minutes with two minutes for questions, and they use that extra time to jam even more talks into the meeting. Yeah. So if Instead I'm sounding
1: talks an hour, there were six.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if I'm feeling, if I'm sounding a little negative, it's because it's exhausting, and it's sad because it's
1: more exhausting than twelve minutes.
0: Uh, because there's so many more talks. I'm exhausted by how many I didn't get to go to. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-mm. Think about it. Think about it.
1: I would think you could get to go to more talks.
0: You, you can't, though, because, because there's more talks. You can only go to so many. I can only be...
1: But you can go to more per hour.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although, at some point, my brain started to hurt because there's just so much information to absorb. Yeah, Absolutely. And
1: yeah, I could have. There's almost always something else going on that I was interested. In that I couldn't go to. So is that? I I don't know if that's a good problem to have. Other than or rather than. Oh, there's nothing this afternoon that I'm interested in. It was. It was a lot of options, and I guess that's kind of a sign of a good meeting. More than. More than you can handle.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Although there's a part of me that would have been satisfied having. Just. Uh, i was happy with the way it used to be you and
1: every other 50 Mm -hmm. plus year old (laughs) (laughs) so um in general i heard the the older membership didn't appreciate the new format but the younger folks they like it it.
0: well let's talk about the new format the three minute presentation
1: oh those yeah how'd you feel about those Come on! You told me something. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I think that maybe not everybody had the same vision for these three-minute lightning bug talks. hmm And some people just tried to cram a ten-minute talk into a three minutes by talking faster. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't lot. think that's the point. And so people tried to fit a whole master's project or PhD project into three minutes, and it was really really hard. You can't do that. And so when people just talked faster, I felt like I couldn't keep up. Yeah. And some people just had one slide, some people had like six slides, so it was kind of like an animated thing that my brain couldn't keep up with, and so maybe I didn't appreciate that as much as maybe some people did.
0: Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was a little bit of uh, something for everybody, I mean, literally something for everybody, because there were talks about taxonomy, morphology, talks about what insects do, whether it's transmit diseases pollinate crops eat on crops eat the things that eat crops uh, did you see in the trade show the little the the uh, um the ant colonies yes. for your living room they're beautiful they were pretty with the Back black wood. light yeah yeah i just
1: how close are you to getting one get
0: uh, i don't think it's gonna go over well at enjoy that? no i don't think mm. so i don't think so pretty cool but when i have the man cave with the led zeppelin posters i'm gonna have one of those black lidded black lighted (laughs) yeah hey let's uh a couple of things to recap i uh i'm gonna talk about this at our lab meeting but um might as well share it with our listeners we ask our students and ourselves to share what was like the top talk that they heard at the meeting I was going to share that with you. But, okay. first, but first, fun insect trivia. Yes. Okay. Fun insect trivia etymology version. Etymology?
1: etymology. Okay. Yeah,
0: usually that's what people confuse what we do. the atom, Entomology, study of insects, etymology. Study derivation. Of words? Words, yeah. The history of words and their uh, derivations. So here's one for you. What is the meaning of this... The expression to earwig. To earwig? Yeah, to earwig.
1: Is it a new dance move?
0: Mm, no. Do the
1: earwig. Do, 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 <laughs> do the earwig, no? Um, do earwig.
0: To earwig. Like, yeah, I was at the pub and uh, yeah I was doing a little earwigging.
1: Um, sticking a key in your ear?
0: Um, now that's gross. Yeah, that's that is gross. I mean, you yeah. know what an earwig is, right?
1: I have a fairly good idea what it is. My yeah.
0: listeners probably do too. It's a what a whole order of insects that have the little pinchers on the males.
1: Mm-hmm. I think they're closely related to the beetles, so they'd have the same basic kind of setup. But usually the wings are shortened with forcep-like pinchers in the end of the abdomen. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Dermaptera, and the w- the derivation. There's some debate about where they got their common name earwig, but if you go back in Etymological literature: the expression "to earwig" is slang for attempting to influence by persistent, confidential argument or talk, or to eavesdrop.
1: To influence or to eavesdrop? Sorry, yeah. I missed that first part. Yeah. Well, the,
0: the 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 first meaning is an attempt to influence by persistent, confidential argument or talk. Or to ease, eavesdrop? Ooh, yeah.
1: So, did you do, do a lot of two earwagging at <laughs> I <Two-ear-wagging>.
0: do <laughs> Uh Yeah, I love, I love. Ease, eavesdropping, eavesdropping or influencing? Uh, I don't yeah. think I have much influence. I think I just do the the listening. No. but it, so the reason I brought that up,
1: <laughs> listeners heard that. Yeah. Matt likes to listen
0: yeah. most. <laughs> what? I'm listening right now. I got headphones on. Come on. Okay. So that uh, fun insect trivia, and people can look that up. That's on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, that uh, fun insect trivia, uh, we can debate on whether that was fun or not, dovetails into um, w- one of, the, I think, the best talks that I heard uh, at the meeting. And okay. it was um, by a student, Robert, I, I apologize, Robert. I think it's pronounced or o- Orpet, Robert Orpet. He was at Washington State University, and he's uh, co-advised by, uh, I think he's advised by David Crowder, works also with Vincent Jones there. And he had a talk, uh, number 539, 920 on Monday morning. European earwig is an underappreciated aphid predator in apple orchards, comma, not a pest. You're nodding.
1: The the earwig or the aphid is not a pest?
0: The earwig is not a pest. Okay. It is an underappreciated aphid predator in apple yeah. orchards. Yeah. You buy that?
1: Yeah, they're omnivore, aren't they? I mean, they'll kind of go after <coughs> plant, animal, whatever they happen to run into. That's my understanding. I, I assume that they're aphid predators.
0: Yeah, I I didn't appreciate until he showed me the data mm-hmm. just how voracious an aphid predator they are. Mm. And one of the, part of the reason that I, I guess I didn't, appreciate them to the extent that Robert wants me to is they're nocturnal, they're active at night and um, they tend to kind of hide away during the day Mm -hmm. and this is part of the reason why there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder in that title about them not being a pest pest. because most people find them kind of creepy, non-entomologists heck, some entomologists find them kind of creepy and the concern if you're an apple grower is if you have Earwigs out there, they're also, you know, possibly causing damage. And he did the experiments. He did the experiments to show that when he added more earwigs to an apple orchard compared to those where he took them away versus those that he didn't do anything to, uh, there were fewer aphids in the uh, apple orchards where he had augmented, added more earwigs. And there was no difference in the amount of damage to the apples and like the kind the flowers of flowers. Or well, so he was adding them at a time when the apples were were present, and he he, had, he showed uh, pictures of earwigs in the little uh, stem cavity and kind of on the surface of the apple. And there was some concern that he had heard from his farmers, the apple growers, that they might be responsible for a variety of. Damage done to apples, and you know, apple growers have all these really weird names for stuff. There's like cat facing. Yeah, kind of. yeah, and and he went through a whole list of things, and he showed that in the in the trees that had more um, earwigs, there wasn't any more damage mm-hmm. than the ones without. Okay, uh, but there were fewer, um, often to the tune of like hundreds fewer aphids than uh, mm-hmm. when the uh, when the earwig was there.
1: It's kind of nice to hear more about
0: a predator Yeah, doing
1: some good. Yeah,
0: and one, like you say, that is omnivorous, feeds on a lot of different things, and kind of has a bad reputation. People, You know, the earwigs are thought to be kind of creepy. They're crawling to your ear, eat out your brains, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. None of that is true. Yeah. Um, and Robert was like just... Uh, you pulled for him when he was up there on stage You're like is he is it gonna happen is he gonna yes yes they did they ate more aphids and <laughs> are they gonna cause problems is it a- no they don't cause problems <laughs> it was, it, it, very good so and then the other the other did, did, well I, before i keep talking because i'm also a listener yeah did you have one uh, talk that you uh, found interesting
1: Sorry, I did mean lip smack in there. I'm sensitive to lip smacking after judging a couple sessions oh, yeah. of student competition. There were some pretty heavy lip smacker, uh, verbal stumble type things that I've become hyper aware of as I'm judging. So one of them
0: oh. was lip smacker. Oh.
1: Uh, yeah, it was kind of distracting. But I... Not good. Yeah, I, I did spend a lot of time in the field crops sections of of students and then just regular papers. And there's a lot of interest in finding a new protein, something that can control western corn rootworm. So there's a lot of technology that is being developed that goes beyond some of the tr- cry toxins that we have now commercially available. And honestly, a lot of it was way over my head, but what I took away is from that is industry is they're developing other ways to control Western corn rootworm, um, but, but beyond BT toxins, beyond like there are BT, other in a similar way, they're incorporating okay. it into the corn genetics. Okay, and some of it can be very powerful. It's not understood, you know, how close they are on the timeline to a launch. Some of it seems like it's really preliminary, which is exciting because oftentimes I don't hear about some of those things until they're near commercial. Um, but it also does seem like a lot of the technology will be paired with the existing BT toxins, oh. which is Interesting. maybe somewhat disappointing because it, by the time some of those products come out, like RNAi, I'm not sure how effective.
0: Because we're losing the effectiveness of the yeah. current BT proteins. So, so
1: they're putting something that could be fairly novel with something that's been out in the landscape a while and maybe not holding up. So I'm not I'm not 100% on that, but it seemed like I, I just saw a lot of, like molecular techniques Mm -hmm. for uh, screening these and it's kind of a combination of doing that and then old school let's put it out and see if it actually kills rootworm so uh, a lot about that part um i don't have a specific paper that i could call out but um yeah a lot of rootworm i should say that because i want to want to be as informed as i can for my winter meetings
0: so i have one other i'm going to share with the lab group on monday but i want to share with our listener sure um and i want to give a shout out to somebody who I think we might see more of in the future. Ooh. Uh, I think he's, don't take this the wrong way. He's only a master's student. Um, but, uh, did some great work and had, again, gave a very good presentation mm-hmm. and, um, and has done more than just science and he got a shout out, got a science. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is a shout out to Maxwell Helmberger, graduate student at Cornell, and is advised by Dr. Kyle Wickings there. And Maxwell had a talk titled, um, and it was right after the Yearwig one. So this was this was exciting because I was like back, back to yeah yeah. Um, well Maxwell's talk number five hundred and forty. They're safe and legal, but will entomopathogenic nematodes play ball? Hmm. And he, um, he uh, talked about something that hit close to my home. He was talking about the effect of grubs on the turf in soccer fields. And one way to fight that is to add these entomopathic, entomopathogenic nematodes to the soil to, to kill the grubs. And he, he showed a couple experiments and um, looking at how the, the effectiveness might vary based on where in the field the damage is. So close to the goal is a high traffic area yeah. versus off in the corner where not as much traffic. And if there was a difference in a, a f- efficacy between those two, basically what he showed was, yeah, they, they, the, they can cause some significant mortality to these grubs. Um, but the soil type is probably a bigger driver than traffic. Um,
1: so, did they apply
0: the nematodes with drenches, or how did they get it on there? Oh, good question. I th- yeah, he um, he described this, and I forget how he did it. I think they they drenched them in. They they mm-hmm. they washed them in. Um, but if I remember it, I think they they to ensure that it worked, they they lifted up the turf and added them in as well. So it was mm-hmm. it was a little bit more than what you might normally do. Yeah. Um, but I given. His presentation and his uh, data, and and all, I, I think you're going to see these data come out, and because um, he in in terms of if his writing is anything like his oral presentations, um, it's going to be a delightful manuscript. Mm-hmm. And his, his talk was very good. And one thing that he had were stills from his award-winning YouTube video. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm looking up at your long. Oh, list of... uh, not It's not a list. Those are physical embodiments of all the awards you receive for your YouTube videos through the ESA. Yeah. Well, Maxwell uh, received an honorable mention for the YouTube Your Entomology contest for a video that he has posted on YouTube called the Soil Food Web. And he's got a series of these, not just that one. I think he's up to nine. And they are... They're delightful they're handmade um, they look like play-doh or scopey clay like stop animation, stop
1: animation.
0: okay excuse My me finance. and there's one on the um, the entomopathic genic entomopathogenic nematodes um, and it shows basically in this claymation stop animation form uh, what he was uh, exploring in his research so go on to YouTube and Google or, or I'm sorry, you don't Google. You search for Maxwell Helmberger and that's spelled H E L M B E R G E R and you'll you'll see the series of v- videos that he's made. Mm-hmm. Very enjoyable. Very nice. Nice yeah. job, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Keep it up. Don't stop.
1: We were also part they had a number of workshops and lunch and learns at ESA and do you remember way back when, when we sat in on the live broadcast yeah. of This Week in Science?
0: Yeah. Yeah. T-W-I-S. So was the first
1: time that I've seen something like that at ESA. There was kind of three people up in front, and they brought in a series of interviewees, and very, very prepared. Yeah. Um, they seem, like they, seem like they could have been entomologists, yeah. But I think they do this for a number of, you know, all kinds of science topics. So it was nice to see them doing the homework getting totally excited about insects and they were kind of focused on evolution but yeah it was very fun that's cool mm-hmm. this week in science um they were all ma- wearing matching t-shirts yeah. so i'm wondering if we want to open up you know get like a merch thing where we, get we should have a
0: merch table yes with like some shirts and pins scarves oh yeah yeah so maybe look pre-order we'll ask people to pre-order yeah, before we make those
1: put that in your cart
0: Well, anything else from the ESA meeting, we want to...
1: Well, we did have that working group meeting with the North Central Soybean Research Program to kind of recap where we are with our current funding cycle, which is one more year. It's funding a lot of students and a lot of different projects, but then we also started talking about the next, of course, funding cycle. So we just were generating a lot of ideas about what people are interested in for pest management and soybean. Of course, a lot of it did circle around soybean aphid, but there's a lot of other pests and other, other topics included. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hopeful. We've always been successful getting money from the North Central Soybean Research Program. I, I think it will continue, but uh, maybe we could talk about some of those research topics.
0: As we go forward. Way. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's gone beyond soybean aphid. And at a time when soybean aphids are becoming um, more interesting, Because of the concerns for insecticide resistance, and now we have industry partner who's uh, indicated that they're they're making good progress at making aphid resistant soybeans available to them to the to farmers. So, yeah, yeah, we'll have to do a wrap up maybe in December on that. That'd be fun. So you got an upcoming event here? Yeah, we have
1: our largest event for the A and R. Uh, crops team, which is called the ICM or Integrated Crop Management Conference, it's held here in Ames at SHEMAN Building, no, uh, November 29th and 30th. Registration is open now. The early bird oh. registration price ends Good. on the 17th, so next week. So if you plan to come, register next week so you get a little bit cheaper price.
0: Are they going to see you? You're going to be gonna on be there.
1: I'm going to be talking yeah. about the pyrethroid resistance and kind of management of. Management recommendations for soybean aphid, kind of where we are right now. But Joe Spencer from Illinois. Oh, oh, that's going to be a good talk. That'll be entertaining. Three or four different topics on herbicide issues, off-target movement, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So that's a real hot topic this year. And then some water quality and management is going to be featured as well i think we have six or seven invited speakers Uh outside of iowa state and people really like matt
0: helmer is going to be oh i'm sure he's going to be there
1: yeah and so it's going to be a great conference i encourage everyone to go plus you get some nice credits good food that kind of thing so that's coming up on the 29th and 30th and then our large statewide circuit crop advantage series is happening all throughout january Registration is also open. On uh, the road it's again. Fourteen locations, thirteen in Iowa. Aaron can't one. wait
0: to get on the one. road again. <laughs>
1: Illinois, and so yeah, that's. I'll will just see you in, in February because yeah. January I'll, I'll be driving. But yeah, sorry. Th- those are the kind of the big things coming up.
0: Um, I have one thing, maybe a little too late, but um, uh, tomorrow is the second day of the Iowa Honey Producers Meeting. I'm gonna go down and talk about some of our our work that uh, we've been doing the last couple of years, looking at how prairies can improve honeybee health. Cool. So um, maybe catch me there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. A crew, um, like oh it. yeah, and I'm bringing down yeah our posse of honey honeybiologists. Mm-hmm. So give them a taste of what what that meeting's all about. My first time. It'll be interesting. Oh, really your first time there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't been there. But. Um, it's in Os uh, uh, Oskaloosa. Okay, so. I'd like to hear about it. Oh, b- Something to talk about next week. Okay. All right, so you can find us uh, next week. We'll be podcasting, but if you want to learn more, Google soybean entomology. You'll come up with our podcast and many other websites. Aaron's on the Twitter at Aaron W. Hodson, all one word. You can email us, listener, we're lonely. Hey. O'Neill at IASTate.edu. Or you can reach Aaron at EWH at IASTate.edu. And of course, if you want to keep on keeping on with us, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. And now it's time to cue the outro music. See See you next time.